There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit MarketHouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY. Hey, this is Tyler Jones, and you're listening to The Element Podcast. What's happening, all my woods people? We are sitting in a truck, and I won't say what's happening in this truck because it'll sound really weird, but there's some uh, things happening in this truck that are weird. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, it's raining and muggy outside. It's It feels like spring. It's like a spring storm right now. Yeah. KC. Things have changed. It's uh, it's. I feel like the last three months, all of these rain fronts have been accompanied by like some booty cold weather, yeah. and... Uh, today it's like, I don't know, 60 out there and raining. So it's yeah. got that like warmer feel where the ground still stays warm and gets hydration. So things are about to pop. Things are about to grow. Yeah. Well, and it, it like, it feels like one of those catfishing days, you know, but it's, I know it's still early just cause it has been hey, cold. If the creeks are running, the catfish will bite right now. I guarantee you it's <laughs> probably going down. All the they, creeks are running too. Uh, I imagine yes, they are. They are. It's it's running across flat ground. Our in my ground house, is saturated so. right now. Yeah. Um, all these people are complaining about snow up north, and all your snow is rain down here. Yes. It's cold, thirty four degree rain <laughs> most of the time. So like, look, we're glad that we're glad that uh, this time that at least if it's raining, it's sixty degrees. So, uh, yeah, that's what's going on with us right now. Uh, we are not catfishing. Wish no. that we were. It's kind of almost duck weather. It, it, it is. Man, it's just I mean, that little drizzly. Nasty. It is nasty. Nasty rain. It is nasty. <laughs> it is. And speaking of ducks, we just released a film uh, called On Fire. And uh, I basically did like one duck hunt this year. And I may have done one other. But this was uh, this was actually pretty much a filming uh, assignment where I got to video a couple of buddies. And uh, and uh, anyway, we just released it. So I'm pretty excited about it. It's doing well. There, yeah. there are lots of views stacking in right now. Um relative to what we normally do. 
And so <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, it was something that really came together just like really organic, organically while we were on the hunt and uh, tells a really great story. So anyway, um, today we're going to be discussing travel plans for 2019. Um, some a little bit of like uh, habitat management type stuff. Um, some tags, uh, tag application and strategy for us. Uh, we can't give you advice on that kind of thing. <laughs> I don't feel like I don't feel at all like we have uh, the right to give you advice on that thing. So we're just going to talk about what's going on with us, what we're where, thinking. Maybe where our like niche in that is is that um, we pretty much are normal dudes. Yeah. So like maybe you can take ours, like our application strategy as an outline for maybe something like if you're. If you're that one, because there ain't many steps below us on like application <laughs> strategy, but if you're that one step below you, below, below us where you really have no idea where to start, maybe like we can help you be a starting place. Yeah. Like or what's realistic and what's like, don't even worry about sure, it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been putting in for a while in a few states, but I mean, I, I would love to have been putting in in every state, but like I don't have, you know, thousands of dollars mm-hmm. to put in every year for all these different species across the West. So I have to pick and choose. Uh, and so we'll talk about that for sure. Yeah. Uh, but you've been out of the country travel. here recently. Yes. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Travel City over here. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm just uh, fresh, fresh off of a Mexican trip. And that ain't to, to Gorditas. That ain't to Gorditas. <laughs> I was that ain't to Gorditas uh, or El Mata or anything like that. This is an actual. Mexico, the country. Yeah? Uh, yeah, I went to film a wedding in Puerto Morelos, south of Cancun, and uh, it was a very, very beautiful Pretty wedding. Much, if it says Puerto in front of it, you can't go wrong, Oh, right? yeah. Uh, I don't think so, I, dude. I've never been to a bad Puerto. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. Uh, so, yeah, I, uh, I had quite the experience. How long were you there? I was there, uh, let's see, we left Friday. We showed up Friday night or Saturday morning, you could say, mm-hmm. and uh, filmed Saturday and uh, had a off day on Sunday and flew out Monday. And you so, had a whole day for an off day? Yeah, dude. Oh, my I know, goodness. I know, dude. <laughs> so. Yeah, so I, I flew in Friday. Uh, uh-huh. We flew in late. We, we Our plane left DFW at 8.50. So, 8.50 p.m.? Yeah. Ooh. And so they're actually, uh, this is weird, but they're on Eastern time. Or, you know, what would be our Eastern time? Mm-hmm. Like, they're an hour ahead of us. So, when we got there, we we had that. Uh, I mean, it was late. And so, uh, and then I don't think they observe uh, time, daylight savings. Uh-huh. So, then, like, during the trip, we were back on the same time as when we, we were at home, you know? So, it was weird. That's weird. But, yeah, so I got there. Um, we fly into this little airport there in Cancun, and it is uh, 1230-ish. 1230. And uh, so we got, I got, we got two checked no, normal luggage bags and one checked uh, big, huge Pelican case with a bunch of camera gear and expensive camera gear in it, right? <laughs> and so um, anyway, we had already been like at DFW, they just like checked every single bag we had. They've, they broke everything apart. They, the guy checked through my carry on bag twice, every compartment. And then took a little swab and swabbed the inside and out all over and like threw it in this tester for Ooh, drugs. Ooh, the old uh, CSI Miami GSR. It was, I was like, good grief, dude. Like, how, I mean, how bad do we look, I guess? But anyway, so um, anyway, got that, got through that and ended up in, in uh, Cancun going through customs about 1230. 
And I have a story here that's going to take a second. And I don't claim to be a very good verbal storyteller, okay? Uh, I need to think about things and, like, put it on a, a storyboard and then put it into film a little at a time, right? That's how, like, it takes me a while to do this. So I'm going to do my best to tell the story. I've told it three times now, once to my wife, once to Slade Daniel, who's, like, the star of On Fire film, uh, one of my buddies, and then once to uh, somebody else. I can't remember who it was. Anyway, um, I'm going to tell it now. Hopefully, it's a little bit smoother than when I told it to them. And he's been refraining from telling me this story, so my first time. We've been waiting a couple days to do this podcast, uh, so I didn't want to tell him. But, um, so we we get into customs, and um, it's, we are the only Americans, our flight is the only Americans, it's the only people in the airport at Mm -hmm. 12.30 a.m. in Cancun, right? And uh, there are just a few workers, Mexican workers there working customs. And... um, so we get we get up and we're probably like at the halfway point of people that have already gone through customs. So maybe even in the back. And so we let uh, she the lady at customs says, All right, "Put your bags on the conveyor." And I had to ask her like three times what she said because she was barely talking. I think she was asleep when I got there, <laughs> and she was speaking uh, very broken English, and I was speaking no Spanish. So, <laughs> um, so you could imagine there's a little bit of a. a language barrier there and so we put the bags on the conveyor belt they go through then she wants us to put them up on these like stainless desks and they're gonna rifle through them you know and they go through justin's pretty quick and then they go over to mine and justin walks through these doors and is gonna wait on me to get done and come out right the doors lock so he can't come back in okay um few more people go through and i am the only white person in this whole airport at this point okay and they're going through my crap like it has got a bomb in it, okay? And this is <laughs> so. Why is there any reason why that they picked you to yes, do that? Yes, yes, you'll find out. Okay. So, and I'll tell that right now. So I have three cameras with me. Um, I have basically my Sony A7S II, the my Canon 6D that I've had since 2012, and. Um, the FS 700. Mm-hmm. And so two of them are in my carry-on. One of them is the FS 700 is in the Pelican case along with, I mean, it looks like a rocket launcher is in there it or does. something. You know what I mean? Like yes. it's in there with two other big lenses and a tripod and a gimbal all in this Pelican case, chargers and stuff. And so anyway, she's, this lady is in here opening all this stuff up and it doesn't take long before we're the only people in there. And She's going through my stuff, and so like she she starts asking me what uh, how much stuff is worth, <laughs> and basically what it, what it is in the customs like document they give you it tells you like what you can bring into the country, mm-hmm. and two cameras is stated on there. Oh, so you, one of those needed to be Justin's. Well, Justin had two. Oh, really? Yeah. Y'all had, y'all bought brought we had five. five cameras with yeah. us. Yeah. So, um, that was fun, and so. Anyway, she's she's trying to find out how much everything's worth. She starts looking at my hard drives, which are in a baby pelican case mm-hmm. that I brought in my uh, my care, uh, my other check bag. And she goes, "How much?" And I said, "50." Uh, because the the cheap ones are $50 mm-hmm. hard drives, right? And um uh, so she picks up the biggest hard drive and starts looking it up on her on her phone on Google and goes, it shows it to me. It says $150. said, that's not a $150 drive. She goes, sticks it back out at me, shows me. And I said, 
I said, okay, pull up. I pull up my phone, even though she had already told me not to pull my phone out after I had it out. <laughs> and so I pull it. I pull up my phone and I look it up, and I have to find. I find three prices where it basically averages a hundred, mm-hmm. you know. And so I show her, and she like she takes it, you know, for what it is. And uh, and so I said, but these other drives, that's like one of two drives in there. There's seven drives. It's one of two that are like hundred dollar drives. The other ones are all like fifty, fifty five dollar drives. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, these are not hundred dollar drives. See how they're smaller. These are fifty dollar drives. And so I'm, and and she doesn't speak English enough to even understand me really. And I don't speak Spanish at all. I mean, it's like very, very little Spanish, you know. And so we're having trouble. And um, so she starts coming up with, she starts like calculating stuff. She asked me how much my Canon 6D is worth. Well, in 2012, when I bought it, it was like a $2,200 camera, mm-hmm. $2,000 camera, something like that. So I said, <laughs> I said, uh, well, I bought this in 2012, but it's a $2,000 camera then. But I said, it ain't worth that anymore. Like it's, it's, it's literally showing silver on it now. Like she probably didn't understand the ain't. That was she, the problem. No, I didn't say ain't. <laughs> she definitely wouldn't have understood it. But she didn't understand that 2012 was the year I bought it. Uh-huh. She thought it was worth 2012 dollars. Oh, and so cool. I, I'm, I'm like, I had to sell it. This is eight years old. It's eight years old. And so anyway, and then I said the other one is 2500 dollars camera. And it's, luckily she didn't ask me about the FS 700, which is the giant camera mm-hmm. that's worth like you know brand new. It was like when we bought it, I think it was like five thousand dollars, four thousand dollars, something like that. And so, which that's been a while too since we bought it. But anyway, she didn't ask me about that. And then uh, she, so she like comes up with this number. It's like sixteen hundred bucks or nineteen hundred bucks, something like that. And she's like, okay, well you got to pay sixteen percent of this to get into the country. And I was like. How do you figure? And so, <laughs> anyway, we, like, kind of go back and forth. She's telling me. She, like, shows me a document where it says two cameras. And then I read down. And this is – it's, like, awkward. Like, I'm exhausted, and she probably is too, and we're just sitting there. And there are times when we're just sitting there looking at each other, <laughs> and there's no words being spoken, and there's no, like, even – there's no, like, body language even mm-hmm. happening. We're just looking at each other like we're both exhausted. Why are we doing this? And it would be, like, just – moment where it should be like an awkward like 15 to 30 seconds that Mm -hmm. wasn't really awkward and so we end up going through some stuff and I read through that document and I'm like well technically it says that if the and okay this is where not speaking Spanish really gets bad okay (laughs) I'm like technically it says that here and I show her I'm like it says that what it said was that if the way I read it, at least, I understood it, was that if your excess, like above two cameras or above the things that you could bring, hard drive storage devices or whatever, you got five storage devices that you could bring. So I had seven in there. I only needed two, you know what I mean? Uh But I brought them all because they're all in my Pelican case. I didn't think anything of it. Mm -hmm. So I was like, it says that whatever in excess, if it doesn't equal $3,000, then there's no tax. Mm-hmm. There's no in, you know import tax or whatever. And so I'm trying to explain that to her. Doesn't understand it one bit. Doesn't have a clue. She just kept saying, no, no, 16%, you know. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what to say to you. And I told, and she go, and I said, uh, I was telling her, because I was like, if I choose, if I can choose, you know, two drives, I'm going to choose those cheap ones right there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to claim these five expensive ones. Anyway, it was just... We were back and forth and back and forth. So, like, 25 minutes later, uh, 25 minutes of being in there by myself with her, um, she 
um, she keeps telling me, you know, nineteen hundred dollars, sixteen percent, two hundred forty bucks. She keeps saying two hundred forty bucks, and she she's already gone. She's gone through. She asked me how much the Zoom was worth, which is what we're recording this podcast on right now. Like I brought this Zoom just in case, and it came in handy. Mm-hmm. But just in case we needed to record some some audio, we had like four other audio recorders with us. And so she's asking me about that and just like trying to come up. So she just comes up with this random number of $1,900. Luckily, she didn't even ask me about the FS700 because that was, you know, she could have put thousands of dollars into, you know, on this thing. Mm-hmm. And so she's telling me 240 bucks and I keep going. She says it's going to be 240 bucks. And I said, I can't pay that. I just look her dead in the eyes and say, I can't pay that. And she goes, just sat there and looked at me. And so anyway, we're back and forth, back and forth. And so it gets to the point where, you know, 25, 30 minutes in, uh, we're both just tired of arguing about things. And it was civil, you know, but like just arguing about things. And and um, so this other guy comes up and he's behind her and he's not really paying attention to anything. He's like eight foot behind her, probably leaning on this thing, looking at his phone. And um, anyway, um, she goes, and I probably will mess this up, the, the whole everything, how it goes from this point forward. But um uh, I basically, I finally got to the point where I was like, okay, she's not going to take no for answer. So I said, I can pay you $100. And she said, 100 And I said, yeah. I said, will you take a debit card? And she goes, no. What she was saying no to, I think, was that $100. Mm. But I thought she said no to debit card, okay? Mm-hmm. So I pull out cash. And I flip out 20. I've got $110 in, in my wallet, okay? I pull out five 20s, basically all my cash, and I extend it to her. And she goes, throws her hands up and goes, no, 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 and backs up and starts looking around at the floor and, like, all over the place real weird, real creepy. And I'm like, this is bad. <laughs> this is freaking bad. <laughs> and so – um, she, she's like, she backs up just looking weird. It won't look me in the eyes anymore. And she's like thinking about something. I can't tell. This takes like 15 seconds. The dude's still right behind her on his phone, has no clue what's going on. Mm-hmm. So she walks over to him and go, starts talking Spanish really low, really quiet. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm going to jail. <laughs> I am freaking going to jail in Mexico at 1 a.m. by myself. Justin has no clue what's going on. I am done, dude. <laughs> And so, uh, and so she comes back over after talking with him and they both are speaking Spanish real quiet, comes back over to me and she goes, uh, she goes, you go with him. Oh no. And he looks, he kind of looks like security. He doesn't have a gun or anything, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to jail. <laughs> and so at this point I've already, in my mind, I've already come up with this fact, like I'm already pulling the debit card out. Right. Uh-huh. And I'm like, we're going to solve this. I'm not going to jail over 240 bucks, you know? <laughs> and so I, uh, pull the debit card out and I'm like, Hey, uh, I'm like debit card, debit card. I'll pay, you know, whatever. And she goes, yeah, uh, you, you go with him. And then I was like, no, I'll pay it with debit card. And she goes, okay. Um, uh, and I, I'm seriously, I'm like, my heart is in my throat. I think I'm going to jail in Mexico. She's like, um, you pay uh, 100 cash and uh, say, drink the debit. And I was like, I think I know what you're saying here. <laughs> and so, so, so that's that's $100 cash and $30 on the debit card? And so she leaves right after that. Uh-huh. And the dude approaches. Seems real cool, no problem. He walks up and goes, let me see your passport. I'm like, I'm going to jail. What the? <laughs> he, I hand him my passport, my immigration card, and he, he like looks through it, and he really ain't doing nothing. 
and he hands it back to me. He goes, pick your, uh, start putting your stuff up. He looks through it. He hands it back to me as I'm picking my stuff up, but he puts it in this like crevasse between my bags where it's like dark and you can't see what's going on. And he leans in and he opens it up and he goes, put the cash in there. And I was like, okay. And so I, I, uh, I pick my stuff up. I put the hundred dollars in my passport and he goes, follow me. And we walk to his desk and this guy speaks barely better English, but yeah. hardly at all. And, um, uh, so he, uh, we walk to his desk like halfway through the building here and go over there. And like I said, it's like this, I've been in here for 35 minutes now. It's, it's past 1 AM. And, uh, at this point I'm feeling better cause I think I know what's going on. And, uh, he goes, he, we get to his desk. He, he goes, uh, can I see your passport and immigration card? I hand it back to him. And uh, he starts uh, writing me up a receipt for the debit card. It says $625, $625 on it. And I said, I said that's, uh, that's pesos, right? And he goes, yeah. I said, how much is that American? He goes, mm, dos. And so I was like, okay, um, cool. <laughs> and so he writes me up this receipt. He has my passport in his hand the whole time. Uh-huh. Um, writes the receipt. I give him the debit card. He runs the debit card. He hands it back to me. And then, uh, I put it in my wallet and he, uh, then hands me the receipt, the passport and the immigration card. And I walk off and it has, I'm telling you, bro, I didn't take my eyes off of him twice for a split second while we were there. Mm -hmm. And there's no money in the passport. So, so you paid off the Mexican uh, customs. Uh, customs. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. A hundred, a hundred dollars cash. Him and that lady probably split it, split it fifty fifty. Oh my gosh. And uh, I, I got out of there for one thirty instead of two forty. Golly. <laughs> yep. So what did Justin think once you had spent an hour in customs? Hey, dude, he was calling me the whole time. They wouldn't let me pull my phone out. Yeah. And finally, when I was paying my debit card at the very end, I was able, I said, can I answer my phone? And he didn't understand. Yeah. And so I showed him I was getting a phone call. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I answered it and finally told him. I was like, hey, I'm about to leave, man. I'm sorry. He's like, dude, I was worried about you, man. He was out there holding our, our uh, taxi because we had paid for a private taxi because mm-hmm. we had so much gear and stuff, you know. And he was, you know, holding holding them to make sure they didn't leave and think we weren't coming or whatever. He couldn't have got back in anyway, but just, oh, my gosh. Dude, it was, did you authorize your debit card for, like, international transactions before you left? I was surprised that Dude. it went through, but it did. Oh, my gosh. If it hadn't have gone through, who knows? I know. I'd be toast. <laughs> toast. I mean, I had a, I had a, a big bank credit card with me, too, yeah. um, which is handy. So. Yeah. But yeah, dude. Um, golly, it was it was. I literally thought I was going to jail. It's fun. And and when she was like, "You go with him," I was like, "No, no, no! Please take my debit card." Oh, <laughs> man. So anyway, crazy, I got dude. out of there pretty cheap, I guess. I guess. I mean, it really. They really, I don't think had the right to charge me that money to tax me that money coming in, but yeah, they did. So. Well, I guess uh, that means just make sure you review all your. Uh, customs documents before you leave and yeah. make sure you have a good rebuttal for Dude, we did a bunch of research yeah i mean we we covered our battery terminals with electrical tape i mean we did all everything that we thought we needed to do to be good and right and dude we got checked the whole uh, every airport we were in mm-hmm. we got checked more than anybody around i'm sitting there getting ready to leave mexico and go home 
we are literally boarding the plane. I'm in line to board the plane. I'm like, they've called my group. We're walking on, you know, the plane. And this guy comes up. He's super nice. But he was like, hey, what? I had a rod tube on my mm-hmm. backpack. And he asked me, hey, what do you got back there? And I was like, well, you talking about the tall thing? I was like, he's like, yeah. I said, it's a, it's a uh, fly, fly fishing rod. He goes, what? I said, a fishing rod. He goes, oh, okay, okay. He was super nice. But then he wanted to see my immigration card and my passport. I'm like, I've already showed a bunch of people this in this <laughs> airport. I am here. Like, we are past security. What is the problem, dude? I'm going back to America. You know what I mean? Good grief. So Come on, Eddie Murphy. They, <laughs> they checked everything, yeah. man. So I didn't, I didn't love it at all. It was, yeah. it was more of a hassle than anything. But I think the footage is a good portfolio or resume kind of thing, you know, where – we can show, hopefully people will see that really pretty footage and yeah. want to book some more high-end weddings with us. So. That's good. Well, okay. Uh, here's the deal. You said you weren't going to, you hadn't told me anything about Mexico. I'm assuming Saturday was something that I already understand happened, mm-hmm. which is filming a wedding. Yep. You have a free day on Sunday. Which, by the way, I filmed him bare feet the whole day. That's cool. Yeah, that was pretty yeah. awesome. There's spring breakers there when you were there? No. Nope. That's good. Uh, you must have barely missed that. Well, we were in a family resort. Uh-huh. Like a family where, you know, it's, uh, I don't think they, it's family appropriate, so I don't think spring breakers want to go there. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. But yeah, so that happened. Stayed up real late, you know. We were late, up late. We were up till three the night before and had to get up early and film a wedding the next day, so we were mm-hmm. beat, and then I was on my feet all day filming the wedding and uh, walking in the sand all day, so that kind of wears you out. Your calves but get sore? My calves actually didn't get sore, but my really? legs were just sore, yeah. all, uh, you know, or just kind of worn out more than anything. They weren't sore, they were just tired. Um, and Justin's calves were real sore, he said. Um, but anyway, which I think that I would attest, say that that's a testament to uh, just running on my toes a lot, yeah. you know what I mean? So. I don't know. I have big calves too. I think they're just strong. You you don't know nothing about that. No, nah, I ain't got about that life. I mean, calves so, pretty stout, but it just yeah. I, I, I always noticed because I I used to spend a lot of time at the beach, and uh, if you hadn't walked on the beach a lot, you're you'd have different muscles in your calves that are sore than what you can ever really right. work whenever you're not on the beach. Yeah, so, kind of my neat. feet hurt. Yeah, they, I mean my because your arches get a ton of pressure. Yeah, and I'm not a barefooter at yeah. all, so. Uh, but yeah, so then the next day we get up and man, it was the best day. It was just like, <laughs> I'm telling you, like we ate breakfast at like 11. I got up at like 8.45, you know, and we didn't, we just kind of poked around and ate breakfast at 11. And then we, uh, eventually I went, um, I was like, it was like one o'clock and I was like, Hey man, I think I'm going to go to the beach. Um, Justin's just kind of slow moving about everything usually. And uh, he ended up going and working out. I'm like, I ain't working out, dude. Ain't no way. I worked out yesterday. Um, so On a Sunday in Mexico. <laughs> yeah, dude, come on, dude. We're going to eat some. I, the sad thing is there was, like, no Mexican food on this place. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, I was very disappointed in my ability to get Mexican food in Mexico. But uh, anyway, so get up, moving slow. 1, 1 p.m. Uh, comes around or so, and I'm like, I'm going to the beach. Got my fly rod. You know what I'm doing. Like, I ain't just beaching. Mm-hmm. So I walk down the beach. I walk down the beach a little ways, and there's a dock. And I'm like, heck, yeah, there's yeah. a dock. Covered dock. Had all the thatch on it or whatever they call it stuff, you know. It's like, this is awesome. So I walk out there. There are fish everywhere, dude. I mean, small, you know, like reef-type fish mm-hmm. mostly. And so, uh, um, oh, and I saw some, I guess they're natalfish. They're like that big, and they're real slender, you know? Might be uh, houndfish, too. It Maybe. Depends on how big. If they're, if they they're look like, like two-foot length, yeah, and they're they green, were, they're probably needlefish. Okay. Yeah. yeah, they were they were pretty long, uh, 
you know, about you like that. You can catch those on fly all day long. Oh, I know. Yeah. I, I couldn't catch them because really? I couldn't get them hooked. Uh-huh. But they were biting, dude. Yeah. And they are fast, man. Yes, they I was are. surprised. They move. Like, they ain't, like, I mean, a gar, I guess, can move fast mm-hmm. when it gets hooked. But other than hooking a gar, I've never seen one move fast, I don't yeah. think. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, um, anyway, I saw the, all these fish. I got my rod, my fly rod, and I tie on. I have three baits. I was trying to uh, – you didn't have a phone when I was trying to leave. Uh-huh. I, I really needed to get fl- – yes, yeah, yeah, I needed to get in touch with you. But I was like, ah, I got a couple, and I'm probably not going to get a fish that much. So I had a clouser and, like, uh, a bunny strip. And then I had, like, this, like uh, – it was basically like a woolly bugger, but I made the tail out of rabbit strip mm-hmm. a long time ago, you know, made mm-hmm. it or whatever. And I didn't know that that was going to be my – that was going to be, like, one of my good flies. But I tie on the clouser. As I'm tying it on, this boat pulls up from out in the ocean and mm-hmm. it's like a pirate looking boat if i've ever seen it dude <laughs> is it's it a, a panga you it, know what a panga is uh, big round front tall front end fiberglass though right yeah fiberglass yeah, the yeah. kind that they run up on the beach yeah yeah and so they they come in hot and it's one of the guys is a real rough looking dude mm-hmm. and the other one he's kind of he's younger and he looks you know he doesn't look too rough and so they come in and they they like park uh and lasso in and and uh, dock the boat like Close between me and the beach. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I don't know what they're doing, but they probably need to do something on land. Well, they start walking to me. Mm-hmm. And I got camera gear and a tripod and everything, dude. I got, like, big lens and everything all out strewn on this little deck of the dock. And so they, uh, they're they coming to me, and I'm like, what in the heck, man? So I pull my knife out, and I'm like, I'm going to make sure I got this knife right here. <laughs> Because, I mean, dude, it's... Oh, it's, I know. You're in Mexico. And you don't know these people. Yeah, I don't. I it, and, and Mexico literally has... You, there are more... Um, I think more American tourists killed in Mexico than all other countries combined every year. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, well, I mean, the, the odds are slim still, mm-hmm. right? That I mean, there's millions of people traveling But it's Mexico. a good scenario for somebody to, yeah. to kidnap you. Two yeah. guys pull up, you know, because they could have came from anywhere in the boat. It's exactly what I'm thinking. And you're an American by himself, and they've got you trapped on the pier. Yeah. And so I'm like, I, and I've got a bunch of camera gear. So I'm like, you know, I mean, honestly, you could probably have my camera gear, but if you come at me, I'm going to stab you <laughs> so hard in the neck, it ain't going to even, <laughs> it's going to take seconds okay. before you die. And so um, anyway, they come they come at me and, and creep me out. They walk behind me. So I'm like, well, I'm just trying to keep a frontal to them the whole time, you know, acting like I'm not really too worried. Anyway, I'm kind of telling this, this is a big story, you know, that doesn't really mean a whole lot, but. Uh, they leave, and then so... Oh, wait, I, did, they leave? Yeah. What do you they, mean? They, they didn't came talk out, to you or nope, anything? they came out to the front, and the uh, the guy had actually, as he was pulling up, the one that looked kind of rough, yeah. he asked me if I wanted to go fishing. Yeah. And I was like, no. And so, anyway, then, then when he came towards me, I was like, this guy is really trying to know that I'm an American and steal some money or mm-hmm. whatever, you know? And so, anyway, he comes at me. I don't know what they were doing, but they sat there for like... They they stood on the end of the dock for like a minute, right? I mean, this dock's pretty small. And then they left. And then they came back a few minutes later and stood out there by me. And dude smoked a cigarette right beside me and then left. And I'm just like, what in the world were they doing? So anyway, um, I start fishing after that. And immediately, uh, I hook a little jack. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, little, I'm talking like six to eight inches. Like so a little bitty. could you tell if he was for sure a yellowtail jack, horse-eyed jack? Or something different. Um, they were um, 
I've got pictures. Okay. They, uh, I did hook one that was yellow tail. Okay. Um, and it looked very similar to the ones I was hooking. They just didn't mm-hmm. all have yellow tails. Yeah. Um, so a horse eye jack is pretty much looks like a yellow tail jack, but of course they have a little bit bigger eye when they get to being an adult. But I don't know what they look like. Is it? This is the first one I hooked. Ooh, I'm going to look it up. Yeah, I'm not so, sure. So then, then uh, it wasn't much longer. I start flinging it around and I hook. A good jack, dude. Like, oh, dude, that's a blue runner. Okay, I, I didn't know what it was for yeah. sure. Which I is knew, a type of jack. Okay, so I, I had I had seen blue runners when I was searching jacks, yeah. you know, and I thought I thought, man, that looks a lot like the fish that I caught. Yeah, but I, I just knew it was some kind of jack. It dude, you tie like that on and troll it behind a boat. It's money. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the marlin bait, well, dude. That sucker pulled. Yeah. Okay, I've got a four weight because. Yeah. My, you know, all my bigger rods are either two or three piece and they're too long to carry. So I had to carry, I've got a, finally got a four weight, uh, that's a four piece. And so on a, on a four weight, those jacks were awesome, dude. I bet it's fun. They were awesome, man. And so anyway, I caught those two and Justin calls me and he's like, Hey, I'm done working out, bro. You know, whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Uh, he goes, you want to eat, eat lunch? So we go eat lunch and I'm like, man, uh, and we're just chilling, you know, taking it easy. And I was like, I think I'm going to go back out there and try to catch a few more fish. And he's like, dude, I'll come film you. Ooh. And so I was like, heck yeah. So we go out there and I proceed to, I mean, I'm working the needlefish, but I can't get one hooked. They keep biting it, you know, mm-hmm. and they're they're fast, man. I love them. I thought they were awesome. But yeah. um, so then I'm catching jacks, man, and I catch a couple of big a couple of big ones like that one, you know. Mm-hmm. And when I say big, what we're looking at is what, like a, you know, 14 inches maybe. Yeah, like a one-and-a-half to two-pound fish possibly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just turn like a dang dinner plate and you just – But they big's just relative, right? Like whenever you like yeah. go bluegill fishing and you catch one that's like the size of your hand, you're stoked. Right, like it's yeah. it's big. Yeah, and they pull – you know, if you're using the right tackle, then it's fun. And uh, so, like, I even was getting them – like some of them were getting under the dock. Like keeping them out from under the dock was just – difficult at times mm-hmm. and so it was a lot of fun i thought i was gonna i thought one of them was gonna break my four weight at one point because he wrapped me around the dock and was just bending my four weight in half you mm-hmm. know and i'm just like oh my goodness and i actually <laughs> worked him out it's all on video so sweet i'm gonna have it you know and uh and we're gonna try to release that pretty soon but i did catch i think a small grouper okay um it was like you got a picture changing that? colors okay, i don't think show, i have one on show my me phone later yeah um and i caught uh some kind of little reef fish that had a black line through its eye Okay, that's probably a amberjack, a juvenile amberjack. Did it look okay. like a jack at all? Uh, yeah, it looked kind of like a jack. It's probably a juvenile. It amberjack. had bigger scales than a lot of the jacks okay, well, I was catching. Not. I don't know. We'll have um, to look at that. Yeah, so I, I caught caught That'd those. Be some sort of a blinny. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was a bunch of them down there. It was cool, man. They would like every time I would bring my clouser past one of the corner posts, they would just like there'd be like forty of them just come up that's and cool. look at it, like a you know. So did you check on legalities or anything of fishing? There? I did. Okay. Uh, and I mean. The majority of people said that if you're fishing from a resort, don't worry about getting a, a license. Yeah. So I didn't. Well, I know that um, around that area, there's like a national preserve. Uh-huh. And maybe that's on Cozumel that you can't fish or something oh. like that. I don't know. Some of the, yeah. Somewhere out there, you can't fish because it's a Oh, preserve. yeah. You, it was, you were able to fish. Yeah. Um, there was... Um, there were people fishing at different times, not many. Mm-hmm. But, Which is uh, one of those things where they... I'm sure that... Like anywhere in Latin America, the locals, like the laws don't apply to them. It's just so they can bust people who have money when they come there. Yes, yeah. yeah. And that's what I was worried about. Uh, But I was just going to 
play it chill pretty mm-hmm. much. I stayed under that dock the whole time and caught fish and fishing in the shade. <laughs> dude, it was awesome, dude. I mean, I didn't get any tan while I was yeah. there, but I didn't really want to get burnt this early anyway. And I've been, you know, it's been a long winter, so yeah. <laughs> pretty pretty pale. But uh, man, I feel like so I, I met a guy um, at the airport mm-hmm. that on the way out in in uh, Cancun. There we had a pretty good you know amount of time to burn there. And uh, we met this guy. He saw my fly rod. And he asked me, you know, oh, did you, did you catch anything? I told him, yeah, I caught a bunch of jacks or whatever. And and um, and he was like, yeah. He's like, I almost brought my fly rod, but then you know, I was looking and reading, and it just didn't seem like there was much inshore, you know, fish there, fishing to be mm-hmm. had or whatever. And so this guy, I, he he ends up telling me that he owns like a two mile stretch of fee fishing on the I think Soakway River okay. in Georgia, yeah. North Georgia, and. Uh, so I'm kind of like looking at this guy, like pretty rich dude. Yeah. Um, kind of maybe a little bit of a fly fishing snob and, um, I'm not sure what he was looking for. Like, was he looking for reds and specks or like what? Because, um, apparently there's decent bone fishing down there Yeah. and jack fishing. And I just feel like maybe jacks are just considered like the carp or the trash fish of like, oh they are nobody, you know what I mean nobody uh, cares right everybody talk I mean because you can't eat them uh-huh. really or you can I guess but most people will say that they taste like beef which I'm not sure that I want to fish that tastes like <laughs> beef you know what I mean they're so, real bloody yeah but the funny thing is and me you may have talked about this before tuna are super bloody super bloody right and we eat them all the time and yeah we they're love ten thousand dollar fish yeah some of them. Yeah. yeah, so I don't know. I don't either. I mean, I guess that's, you know, that's true is that that, uh, that tuna is definitely tastes a little different than other fish. I've heard people say, so I've had some friends that travel a lot, uh, like Coast Guard and stuff, and uh, I've heard people say, like, in America, barracuda and jacks, we don't eat. They're like bait and, you know, shark chum, right? Mm-hmm. But you go to, like, the west coast of Africa, and that's what they catch and cook. Right. And it's delicious. Hmm. So it's like, I don't know. It's just one of those standards things yeah. man, that we don't understand. You know, that it's just like somewhere along the way, somebody had a bad one in some way it ended up being this way. Right. You know? Well, also you think about maybe um, they're tough to cook correctly. So Possibly. most people mess them up and think mm-hmm. they taste terrible, you know. Like so. rabbits. Yeah. Rabbits are kind of tough to cook that right. way. But I don't know. I mean, I think the big three ro- rules the world in the Caribbean, you know, yeah. permit, tarpon, and bonefish. And when people say, "Oh, there's not good fishing here," they're replying that neither, or they're stating that neither of those three are there. Mm-hmm. When it's like, "Dude, I will catch the mess out of some six-inch, pretty-looking fish, right?" Dude, like, oh who yeah, cares? I was having a blast, dude. Yeah. Like, I I would I would rather have that consistent action. I think mm-hmm. not that I won't ever do this, but I'd rather have that kind of a day than chase bones all days, all day long, and have them yeah. uh, just consistently uh ignore my fly you yeah, know what i mean sure like i'm looking for one fish today or this whole trip you know mm-hmm. it's like golly i mean you can't eat a bonefish either really you know i mean i mean they don't oh, it's kind of like uh eating a trout where it's like <laughs> they probably are pretty good but if you knock yeah. one on the head people are like <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah yeah so anyway that I, mean, I know that took a lot longer than we kind of uh hoped for but that's uh no that's a cool story hopefully the footage will you be made it home released yeah and I, I don't intend to go back to mexico anytime soon really but <laughs> it does kind of have me itching like to go do some more of that style yeah. stuff i saw one of our buddies who caught a snook in nicaragua not too long ago yeah. on instagram and then so i'm thinking about hitting him up and being like hey dude how do i do that yeah <laughs> yeah that's not a bad idea man i, I mean that whole 
and this has been kind of what has kept me and my wife from going to do things. Well, personally, we want two different things from a Caribbean experience, but like, I don't want to go do the lodge thing. It's just not yeah. fun for me. It's just like a guided hunt. Like you and I have been talking about tags in other states and you can put in as a, you know, with a guide and you have better odds, but it's like, I don't want to do that. It just doesn't, it's not as fun to me. You know, I guess I've never done it, so maybe I shouldn't say that, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's kind of yeah. like paying for your friends. It's not like a not like a thing you want to do, you know? <laughs> what, you mean fraternities? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that, but yeah, that's what it feels like. If Just to me, like camp is part of the experience, and if you're paying a guy to be oh, there in camp, you. you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, yeah, you know, it's a, yeah I know what you're saying, man. I, the only thing about that kind of stuff is like, I don't have a clue where to start when it comes yeah. to, and then also well, having a boat is pretty here's nice. Here's the deal, you know? though, man. Anytime we've ever like been on a trip and just tried to make something happen, fishing wise, you usually can catch something as mm-hmm. long as you don't have standards. Right. You know? Right. Like if we were in Minnesota and decided like, okay, we're here and this is where like muskies, muskies live. Yeah. Let's go chase muskies. When we that was on our mind all the time, but mm-hmm. like you take what what you're given and you have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's true, man. That's true. So I think you could probably go and I think a if lot you're, of places. And and to like further solidify your point, I think that if you're like going to a uh, if you're going to a fishing, if you're going to a more like what you'd call a girly resort type of thing, you're going to spend a lot of money and you're going to be like, well, dadgum, if I go fishing, I got to catch a bonefish, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas like if you go to some like village in Nicaragua or whatever and instead and stay in a shack, um, your wife's not going to be happy, but you'll be happy with pretty much anything you catch. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not, it's not like such an investment, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I get, get what you're saying. But anyway, dude, let's, uh. Let's kind of move on to a uh, different kind of travel, which is uh, tags and stuff like yeah, that. Like or we can go somewhere else if you no, want. No, tags are fine. Okay. I mean, that's kind of what's been top of my mind lately. So this is how it's happened. A, it's that time of year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and B, my, while you were gone to Mexico, pretty much my phone just decided to stop working. Like I had like a, a fully functioning phone, but it just wouldn't recognize that I had phone service. So... It's really not a phone anymore at all. It's kind of a tablet at that point in time. (laughs) A very, very small tablet. Yeah, that's good. And it only works on Wi-Fi. So uh, long story short, I had to spend a couple days uh, on Wi-Fi just sitting around trying to make my phone work again before I could go take it to Apple. Um, So in that amount of time, I've been doing a lot of tag research stuff. And research is a loose term. We're more of just like... um, Dreaming? Yeah, dreaming and just... Think pondering mm-hmm. a lot, you know, and uh, I think in general, it's going to be a good year in the West for elk and for fishing mm. because last year, I th- okay, so we've got a buddy up in Gunnison, or I do, um, and la- he's been posting stuff about like snowpack and stuff like that. And that last year, snowpack made it to fifty three percent of the average, so half of the average. Not good. Mm-hmm. Not a good. Not a good time for mm-hmm. fishies and and uh ungulates right mm-hmm. this year we're at, sitting at 157 in the gunnison valley whoa yeah so 157 percent of normal snowpack which means here's how this works we're going back to the black canyon yeah, that's right <laughs> <laughs> uh dude don't 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 tempt me with that Ooh. um the snowpack you're like okay well that's a winter you still need rain in the summer the way i understand things this may or may not be right since you've got that moisture there it's going to evaporate in the summer, condense, and fall in the same general area for the most part. It's not like it's going to 
be there, evaporate, Carry and then off. go, whoosh, yeah. you know, and, and, and the clouds blow 200 miles away, right. right? So the fact that you've got that moisture established at least is going to help. And then also up in the higher reaches, I mean, you, it's like having a uh, like a sponge to where all of this ice and snow falls on the peaks and like has a slow release throughout mm-hmm. the year. So your your streams, rivers, valleys all stay hydrated throughout the year because you've got heavy snow way up high. Mm-hmm. And then also that means the ground gets good and saturated anywhere there's dark timber that saturation is going to stick around for a while because the sunlight can't get to the ground and it's going to stay wet. Mm-hmm. So, so, so that said, what does, what does, if we're talking right now, we're looking at like some elk deadlines that are mm-hmm. coming up. What does elk look like for you? Okay. Right now? So for me, we've been talking about New Mexico the last yeah, couple of days. So. Um, pretty much. I'm either going to hunt Colorado or New Mexico this year. And Colorado is probably going to be OTC tag unless we do something with the leftovers. Don't try because I'm going to get them all. Um, <laughs> but, like, New Mexico is one of the few states that – it's New Mexico and Idaho, I think, that don't have preference points. Mm-hmm. So, Idaho – I have family there, but it's a little bit out of reach. It's just a long, it's long way away. ways, man. And you can't really fly there. you got to fly then drive pretty mm-hmm. much. It, I guess you could fly, but it would be kind of tough. Um, anyways, so, New Mexico is like – in our back door mm-hmm. as far as, like, the West goes, right? Like, we can drive to New Mexico in seven hours. Mm-hmm. Being elk country in, like, ten, which is pretty close for, mm-hmm. for us, right? So, it's, it's a great state to put in for. Um, you've been putting in New Mexico longer than I have, um, but we always r- try to, like, just hunt the glory hunts, put in for the glory hunts, and if you're the lucky 3% that actually gets to go on one of those hunts, great. Mm-hmm. I think this year will be will be a really good year to actually try to draw in New Mexico. Um, my plan is to you get three choices in New Mexico. Um, so what happens is if your name is drawn, they look at your first three. Okay. Oh really? I yeah. thought it was the first two. For no, some it's first three. That's good. So you can put in for a. Uh, they have two archery seasons: the early and the late. So it's September, kind of cut in half, pretty much, and you can put in for. Two glory tags and then one tag that you really would like to go hunt if given the chance. Um, glory tag meaning like once in a lifetime bulls kind of thing. Um, but you all, still have to, so you still have to worry with well, if you're even if you're like middle of the road hunt has dried up as a third choice, uh-huh. would you have been re- better having two middle of the road hunts? You know, like I mean, that's the balance that you're trying to like figure out. You yeah, know sure, I mean? exactly, and you just have to decide how committed you are to hunting New Mexico. Like, if it's New Mexico or bust, you're going to treat it differently than if it's like, okay, here's New Mexico, here's two glory units, here's one that I'd really like to hunt. If I don't draw that, it's fine. I'm going to Colorado because it's probably about as good on the OTC. Right. Uh, and that's also something you have to weigh out. Because there's some New Mexico hunts that are like 80% draw. Well, if you're going to go out there and switch your patootie off mm. and not see an elk, is it really worth it? Right. You know? I, 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 no, not to me. I'd rather go to the mountains and chase... Heavily pressured OTC bulls. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't. I don't know if I went too far off for this actually to be on subject anymore. But this year, I'm going to really try to actually draw New Mexico. I think we both are. Um, my plan, and this is a good suggestion for anyone out there who who would like to go hunt there. I think is to probably try for two really good units, like the top end units, for choice one and two, and then for choice three. Do some research on one of the um, 
websites out there, even New Mexico Game and Fish will give you some 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 uh, statistics on like percentage of draw for out of staters who do not hunt with an outfitter, which is six percent of the total allocated tags, mm. and pick something that is in that like thirteen to eighteen range. Is kind of my plan. Mm-hmm. Um, I think anything over the twenty two and up from what I've done research on, isn't going to be a lot better than what I'm used to in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, I'd rather go somewhere I'm used to or that I know or that at least will be cool and, and go hunt elk. Yeah. So that's kind of my plan. You know what stinks? What stinks? Is that like those 13% chance odds, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. those used to be like 33. Did they really? How how used to? Like used to when it wasn't... Oh, um, when they didn't split. When the, they didn't split between outfit and, and DIY, I guess. Yeah, so now in New Mexico, 10% of the tags go to out-of-state people with outfitters. So you apply with an outfitter. you got to register through them. They, and you and I have talked a little bit about this strategy earlier. We're like, well, what if we just do a drop camp with the outfitters that count? The outfitter has to spend two days with you in the field for it to count. Oh, which is <laughs> going to be expensive. Yes, exactly. You end up having to pay. So yeah. pretty much if you want to do a true DIY, you got 6% of the tags in New Mexico. Mm. So that's fun. Um, but um, I think that it's going to be a good year for New Mexico. Uh, the elk are going to be healthy, and the horn growth is going to be top end. The reason I'm saying New Mexico, New Mexico is a good year, da, 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 all this stuff is because the elk in New Mexico are not original elk from – the New Mexico elk herd. They were brought down from Montana in a mm, early 1900s, late 1800s or something. So they actually have better genetics than a lot of the Rocky Mountain elk that you see like in Colorado and stuff. So they're bigger bodied. They have better horns uh, in general than a Colorado bull does. Okay, and there's always exceptions to this, whatever. But on a wet year in New Mexico, you can expect like really good bulls almost anywhere there's elk. So... Sounds enticing to me. Yeah. I'm kind of ready to do it. Um, the other thing that's tempting is to do what's called a party app where we're like, hey, Casey, Tyler, maybe Tyler's dead. We might all want to go hunt the same spot. Uh, should we party app? I don't think it's advantageous to do so in New Mexico mm. because you kind of kill your odds. If, you, if one name gets drawn, all three names get drawn, but – you you're relying on one of those names to get drawn. If mm. not, you get three chances as opposed to one. So it doesn't make sense to me to do it. And besides that, if we get drawn for like a Gila hunt or something, I don't want all three of us going in there trying to kill a bull. Yeah. If you get drawn for a Gila hunt, I'm going with you. I'm going to help you call. We're going to right. pack the thing out. It's going to be fun. You know, like yeah. I, it, it's, I don't know. I feel like if three people drew Gila on a party hunt, you would need nine guys to go on the hunt. Mm-hmm. You know? well, I feel like kind of along with what you're saying here is like if you're wanting to go with a buddy hunting in New Mexico, then you probably like your strategy of putting in for two like top end hunts, you know, mm-hmm. one to four percent hunts and then one like middle of the road hunt is a pretty good idea because, the you know, but if you were to put in for one top of the line and two uh, middle of the road hunts, then there's a, there's a much better chance that one of you ends up going mm-hmm. uh, to one middle of the road unit and the other one goes to the other middle of the road unit. So, yeah, yeah you got to be careful and think about it uh, when you put in for that. Um, so that I'm kind of with you on that with New Mexico. I put in for Arizona already, mm-hmm. and I put in for just dream hunts there because 
Um, there's always a chance in New, in Arizona to Is draw. Twenty percent of the tags go to random. Twenty five go to yeah. go to random, and then um, <clears throat> so there's always a chance there. And then I didn't really. Um, I don't want to go on a hunt in Arizona unless it's like really, really top end. I think, mm-hmm. I think I'm just going to lifetime that one. Yeah. So, um, since I'm already ahead of the game as opposed to other States. Um, and then for me, um, I'm the same, same way. Like my backup plan is, is, uh, Colorado, but I do have two points mm-hmm. uh, in Colorado for elk. So, um, going to apply for, are you going to try to draw probably. on those two points? You think probably. Yeah. I'm just going to put in – I'm not going to put in for guaranteed yeah. draw on two-point units. but High like two-point units. Yeah, something that – We've talked a little bit about the units on that, and since those pretty obtainable, I'm probably not going to talk about which units. But um, I don't know. I've been doing some map research on them, and it looks kind of tough. Yeah, I know. It but, looks real tough. Uh, so I don't, I don't know. know. I'm still thinking about it. I'm, I need to go ahead and think about it a lot and mm-hmm. get, get it ready. But uh, – and then I would like to – I kind of think I would like to build some points in Montana for elk. Yeah. I think it's too late to do that, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. Already passed. I, I hadn't, hadn't honestly second. hadn't paid attention to. I, I don't pay attention as much to the northern stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that Wyoming allows you to put in for preference points until like October. Yeah, which that's is a good ridiculous. thing to do. I did yeah. all. I did all three species. I think I did all three three species in Wyoming last year. Deer, deer, elk, elk and antelope. Antelope. Yeah, and I think uh, do it again this year. And a two point antelope tag in Wyoming is a good tag. Really? Yeah. I mean, cool. it takes like twelve points to get the premium units, but then there's like mm-hmm. a big jump or big gotcha. I guess, jump down to like good tags. I have a buddy that has like three or four there. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing: uh, I know we kind of jumped off states, but like since New Mexico's top of mind, uh, something that changed this year for New Mexico is that your hunting license is non-refundable. So it, it costs you sixty-five bucks to. It's always been that way, I think. And there's a button you used to click to refund your sixty-five dollars uh-huh. if you didn't choose it. I thought it always costs like fifty bucks or or whatever. I there, think to maybe apply. a thirteen dollar fee for the application. Fee. Yeah, there's that fee and then a license yeah. fee. And but so now this year you might have a few less people do it because that's sixty five dollars. But you still have to front all your money, but you get all your tag money back if mm-hmm. you don't draw. Right. Yeah. But so I don't know. That's uh something interesting for that state. But yeah, Wyoming. I don't know. I was talking to a dude on Facebook the other day, a guy who commented on one of our elk videos. Uh, we got to chatting or whatever about Wyoming. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, I bet there's some good units in Wyoming, but I ain't going nowhere. There's grizzlies up there right really? now. It's just, he's like, yeah, man, there's some good stuff up around the park. And, and I was like, dude, that kind of scares me. And he said, yeah, I got a biologist buddy who says he won't go up there either. So if a biologist <laughs> says he probably won't do it, then I don't know. Dang, it's, man. That's kind of, kind of, kind of. That's definitely kind of sketch. sketchy, man. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm going to have to bite the bullet one of these days and hunt in Grizz country. If you want to go to Alaska, you're pretty much going to hunt in Grizz country. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've, I've been thinking about it. I kind of want to. I think it would keep a lot of guys out. But mm-hmm. I don't want to. I just want to hunt elk, man. And I haven't I haven't hunted a bunch and, and hunted a few and kind of hadn't had great experiences. You know, like yeah. I want to have an experience where, like, I'm calling in bulls and you know, oh, it's a rag. Let's hold off. It was, it's just day one. You know, whatever. Like, yeah. man, that I'd like to kind of have that happen a time or two when I go elk hunting. So, mm-hmm. anyway, that's kind of what I'm looking for. I don't know. I I've heard some stuff about Wyoming as well, as far as like uh, things are getting much harder uh, there. I think draw uh, Yeah, I think I'm not sure if it's. I can't remember what it was. I read an article the other day. It was talking maybe about like less tag allocation. Uh, you know, number wise, numbers wise, and <clears throat> so I don't know. 
it, it looks like they're saying it's getting harder. So I'm not sure if I want to start building points there or not. Um, you know, I don't know. Just it's a it's a lot to think about for sure. What about uh, antelope and stuff like that? Are you just Wyoming right now? Um, so there's a long story to that, but my wife really wants to go antelope hunting, but she hasn't taken the steps to get to where she can apply yet. Um, so I don't know if that's going to happen this year or not. But here's my thing: is if I'm going to get a New Mexico non-refundable hunting license for 65 bucks kind of might as well apply for antelope while i'm there mm -hmm. and maybe just do big time units you know the boone and crockett units but there's some units i think if you draw then you're pretty much gonna get to shoot at a booner yeah which you know it's well, it's funny how like some species are that way and then some like whitetail it's like almost impossible to find one mm -hmm. they kind of the same way i did some research on on the antelope stuff there um and I want to say I can't remember, man. I would. I'm probably gonna miss misspeak here, but um, there's something like you draw a unit, and then they put you in these like compartments. That's and, for a rifle only. But, okay. Uh, that's how all the rifle hunts yeah. are. And this is. Don't get us wrong. This is regurgitated information from other sources, right? Yeah. Like Newberg does a bunch of stuff on this. Great mm -hmm. resources on YouTube. J Scott Outdoor Podcast. Another great for that Western stuff like this. Mm -hmm. But like. If you if you go on the rifle hunt, they put you on a particular ranch, private owner. private ranch. Yeah. Even though it's a public hunt, you go to a private landowner, and you're kind of restricted to that spot. Mm -hmm. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't uh, like it. I probably do archery because of that. Yeah, because I yeah. want I just want the freedom to go where I want to go. You know, mm -hmm, for sure, man. So anyway, that uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't guess I've ever put in for antelope anywhere, and yeah. I could put in for antelope in Arizona for fifteen bucks, but uh, the odds of like that's like a super trophy state, and mm -hmm. odds are we not saw good. some toads while we were there. Yeah, yeah, but just odds are not good, man. And it's like oh, I kind of want to save that fifteen bucks. I know it sounds stupid, but like I don't, I don't have. I want to shoot an antelope. I don't want to shoot a mm -hmm. booner. Like I mean, I would like to obviously, but like I. I just want to shoot shoot some antelope. You know what yeah. I mean? I don't I don't really have like a drive to shoot a big antelope. Yeah. And so they like, all look big to me. Every I time know. I see a buck, I'm like, that's a big one. I know. I think <laughs> I'm the same way, dude. We did that the whole way to Colorado. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so that's that's kind of where I'm at on that. I haven't really ever put in for antelope. Uh, I want to put in for Wyoming. I wanted to put in last year, and I just got to where it was deer season, and I was out of money, and I just hadn't hadn't done it, and and uh, didn't do it. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, um, don't you? If you don't put in this year, do you lose your points in in Wyoming? Uh, I think there's a consistency thing in Wyoming. Oh, I had never put in in Wyoming. Oh, you haven't ever? No. Okay. Mm -hmm. I've never gotcha. put in anywhere, I don't think. I don't, I don't recall putting it in anywhere ever. So, anyway. Um, but I do have, um, like, I've, I've got sheet points in Arizona. I've got sheet points in Colorado. And so I'm probably going to try to maintain Good luck those. With those sheep points in Colorado. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm I'm going <laughs> to probably try to do the archery hunt. Yeah. So it gets your odds a little bit better. But yeah. I don't know. I just really got to looking at some cheap stuff here a while back and got pretty depressed. Yeah, I know. I did too. And that's that's another thing that you have to consider. So like you know, a couple of years ago when I started putting in for Colorado, uh, I was able to front the money, which was like a two thousand mm -hmm. dollar you know thing front of the money got it all back you know because it's the first year and then last year they changed it to where it's three dollars to put in for sheep mm -hmm. so everybody and their mom put in and i i put in as well but this year i think they've changed it to like a hundred dollar non-refundable non-refundable a hundred bucks so, for a sheep point dude. it's like Ugh. are you do would you rather put in for 20 years on sheep 
thinking, well, maybe I'll draw, you know, after 20 years, or would you rather just say, okay, well, I'm just going to put a $2,000 into an account that's going to grow over time, and in 10 years, I'm going to go hunt sheep. You know what I mean? Or, I mean, you may not be able to, but, yeah. like, you you keep adding a little money here and there instead of putting in for a $100 sheep uh, you know, application here and in, the, in this state as well, in that state, save some money, man, and just go. Or go, uh, you know, take out a loan. I mean, honestly, it sounds weird, but, like, I know people that do that. They take out a loan. They go on one of their, you know, hunts, their dream hunts, and they pay it off for five years or mm-hmm. whatever, you know. And it, I, I've honestly thought about it, man, uh, when I can kind of have that time. But, like, looking forward to this season, uh, I'm uh, last year I didn't put in for – I've got a lot of points for deer in Colorado, and I want to put in – I want to go on a great mule deer hunt. That's what kind of my goal is there. And so um, I didn't put in – I put in for preference points only last year, thinking I would draw Iowa because I had a really good chance to draw an Iowa on four, you know, on three plus one or whatever. And so didn't draw. And from what I understand, I was like one to twenty people with my points that didn't draw uh, that unit. And so this year, as far as I know, I'm pretty much guaranteed to tag an Iowa. Uh, but I'm not like going to say said, that I am. Like we've said, <laughs> if you don't draw this year, then you better be calling DNR and Iowa so, and seeing wrong. what's going on. Something's wrong. So. Uh, anyway, so I'm not putting in for Colorado deer again this year, uh, and I'm going to start getting into the double digits and be able to get some pretty good hunts. Okay, uh, let me ask you this, though. Um, from what I've heard, there's like a little bit of a gap in Colorado, too, mm-hmm. where you've got like some six, seven, eight-point units that are really good, and then like you got to get to 12 before like Yeah, I think I th- kind of think that's what you're looking at. Like mainly like, yeah, six, seven, eight, um, you've got – good rut hunts i mean like i've got a buddy who's like who is like this he told me what unit and he said seven points it was uh his buddy drew it on seven points that year which was two years ago drew it on seven points and uh he's like this is like there are two hundreds in this unit he's like i shot a 195 out of it a couple years prior you know and so like big deer Mm -hmm. you know and so i like a seven point unit is not a bad unit, but unfortunately I'm getting to where I'm, you know, I think going to be nine after this year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm maybe getting into my no man's land, but like, I'll just keep, keep saving it up. You know, if I, if I feel like I need to, but I think Colorado, like even the seven point units are pretty good. Yeah. I mean, that's Colorado's the mule deer state. I mean, the thing is when you get 157% of snow on Gunnison, area like mm-hmm. there's a good chance that there's going to be winter kill mm-hmm. from that for for those deer that live high up on the mountains and stuff and so like you just never know i think the some of those units are just what they are because over time there's been some really big deer killed there or something mm-hmm. like that but like um the state is so good like you said that um it's just kind of like a 12 point unit could be worse than a seven point unit yeah one year you know what i mean yeah, so i mean the it's like New Mexico and elk. Like the 440 might be in any unit in New Mexico. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's. I think last year a 440 got killed in a mid tier unit mm-hmm. in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. That's a stud. Yeah, that's, so that's the that is the once in like a couple lifetimes elk. Yeah, right? so yeah. I don't know. Crazy man. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, deer for Colorado for me is still on hold. I think, but I'm going to be doing the Iowa thing, I think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're going to do Kansas again, I think this year and all that. And if here's, here's something <laughs> I've been thinking about. If you, well, I don't know if you draw a, um, 
an elk tag in a, a unit in Colorado this year, I might grab a deer tag and not hunt while you're hunting, but we'll get you an elk, and then I'll be there for a reason too. Mm-hmm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think a lot of times a good elk unit is like a mediocre to subpar deer unit, you know. Mm-hmm. But if I can go up there and shoot a 150, you know, on a leftover tag, yeah. hey, let's do it. You yeah. Know? So be awesome. it might be something I, I look into. Uh, just, you know, I don't know. It's always – it's just like what you did with your Mexico trip, like maximizing your trip, mm-hmm. you know. And um, like you went down there and caught fish, and that's kind of how I look at hunting too. Like there's always – like something extra you can do to kind of make it more worth your your mm-hmm. your trip. Yeah, for sure, man. That's that's a good plan, man. I like it. Um, I'm excited. As far as I guess whitetail go this year, I'm uh, I don't really know exactly what my plan is, but <laughs> I think that I'm gonna really try to focus um, on killing a really big deer. Uh, because I'm going to have two really good states. So I'm not sure which one I'm going to focus in the most. Yeah. But I, I kind of like – last year was like I just want to kill one, a good one, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's on pub or whatever. Whatever the situation is, I want it to be a good deer for that situation. And um, this year I'm almost like, man, I just want to wanna really like find one and play that cat and mouse and have it happen, you mm-hmm. know. So anyway – I don't know which state that's going to be in, and obviously I still have to draw. Um, so um, we'll see if, if Iowa plays nice to me this year. <laughs> but unfortunately, they've, they've had a lot of really cold weather, so I don't know. I don't know what deer kills look like. Uh, you know, Bill Winky's been on the podcast from Midwest Whitetail. He has done a few little uh, videos recently on like what their herd situation looks like right now, and I know that they're in the southern part of the state, so. You know, it, things could be different north of them, and mm-hmm. he seemed to think that they would be a little bit different north of them. So maybe that's just him being positive about his property, <laughs> or or maybe it's truth. I don't know. Uh, not that he's trying to lie, but uh, you know what I mean. Hey, it's uh, it pays to be positive sometimes. That's right, man. When you're hunting, yeah, you're you're the you're just like the keynote dude on that thing. Maybe man. sometimes, sometimes <laughs> not. I don't know. Yeah, I just need hunting season to come back around so I get positive about it again, to tell you the truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so speaking of hunting, we're going to be hunting some sheds here pretty soon. Oh, yes. I'm yeah. excited about that. So shed rally around here is not a thing. Um, <laughs> no. so, uh, you're a lot, you text me this weekend, which I didn't get until who knows when because my phone has been real dumb. But uh, like, hey, do some shed rally stuff if you can while I'm in Mexico. I was like, <laughs> nope. Because I actually did see a lot of bucks this weekend. Uh and every single one of them was still holding antlers, yeah. up up to three-year-olds. I was talking about there's some sheds right up here on uh, Highway 69. You, that's your favorite joke to make. <laughs> <laughs> they, they build them and sell them. I know, there. man. I know it. Uh, that's what it, I was hoping you would do. we're going to travel somewhere to go actually find some, I think. Well, and I don't know. We might try to – around here, it's like a, there's a really tight window because green up is like literally days away right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. And there's still deer holding antlers. Mm-hmm. But common sense would tell you, like, the bigger ones would drop yeah. early. So, Okay, so about five days ago, uh, maybe six days ago, mm-hmm. um, last week, I didn't get to text you, I think, because your phone was messed up, but um, there was uh, 
and on 514, I came past our our place there, and there was bucks everywhere. Oh, yeah. And a couple of them were half-horned. Oh, really? Yeah. How about that? Yeah, like good ones, dude. Well, I'm see, talking good ones. It's been about a week and a half. I came past that same place, and every single one of those bucks had antlers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you see any 140s? I did I'm not. I'm pretty sure I saw I one. I did not. I saw probably a 120. Yeah. 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 I saw a deer that was heavy. It looked like a heavy eight, mm-hmm. kind of bleached horn. And uh, was half horn. Really? So who knows? You know, it could have been broke, I guess. But yeah. I mean, it's just that time of year. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, we definitely are a little bit late. But uh, we're gonna probably travel to where it's not so late. And um, I'm hoping with all the cold weather that they've had, that there's pretty easy to find still. We've kind of scheduled our shed hunt that way because uh, was it 17? We went to Iowa and went shed hunting, and mm-hmm. like none of the deer lost their antlers yet. That was on shed rally weekend too. Was it really? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it was a bad deal. It was. And this was. time we're like, let's just wait. Yeah. And go when like we know a bunch of deer dropped. Yeah, and it's fine. I mean, especially up there, like up at midwestern places. I mean, I think you've got a bigger window. I think yeah. guys just tend to scalp them in some areas pretty quick. You yeah, know? So. and I think also like if you go to a place where there may or may not be as many squirrels, it's yeah. not as essential. Right. It seems like a lot of those. I mean, I watched a little bit of shadow stuff. Like, there's a lot of antlers in some of those more wooded country stuff. They get smoked by squirrels quick. I know. How does that happen? I don't dude? know, man. That's just nuts, man. I've never really seen that happen. I don't guess, but nuts. Which squirrels? I mean, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> a little bit punny. Um, yeah, I, I uh, pretty excited about it. I think. What's your main goal on that trip? Honestly, yeah. Obtain properties. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> That's kind of where I'm at too. Like I, 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 I'm gonna love walking around looking for sheds, but. I like just as much driving around, finding a property, and being like, "Oh, look at this, man!" I like it more. Let's call I like people. it more. <laughs> I, I'm I like sheds, but uh, don't get me wrong. I like to shed hunt. I like to get out and walk. Mm-hmm. But I'm just not like. There are lots of guys out there. They're like, "Oh, the, the crown jewel of yeah. springtime," you know. And I'm just like, "No, that's the largemouth bass." When I find a big, <laughs> yeah, for real. When I find a big one, I'm stoked. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but yeah, like, for sure. It's just. Uh, that doesn't happen it's often. Another, yeah, for real. But it's another one of those things where it's like time put in versus what you're rewarded with. Mm-hmm. Like, you can go up there and spend like seven days straight walking around and maybe find one or two really big sheds. Mm-hmm. You spent seven days trying to obtain a really big property <laughs> anywhere in the country. Think about the future potential, like the implications yeah. of that. You get to shoot deer with both of those animals. Oh, my on goodness. Head. And there's a skull and, and, and <laughs> a fur and meat with it. How about that? That's you how know? I feel about it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's kind of that's kind of my goal as well, man. So I'm glad we're on the same page. Um, we need to go check cams on Texas. We do. We do. I, I'm trying to figure out where to fit that in. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, that's uh, It's going to be cotton mouth time by the time we get to do <laughs> everything flooded cotton mouth is going to be swimming Not around good. swimming on our cameras and stuff if I get a picture of a cotton mouth I'm definitely <laughs> posting it we got pictures of ducks we did we got quite a few pictures of ducks I need to ducks. post those we got trail camera pictures of ducks that are like eye level yeah which means our trail cameras got smoked mm-hmm. not good <laughs> not good so uh, anyway um, you've got you've been doing some stuff out of your property yeah I've been doing some stuff out on the property I think we'll probably uh you know, post some of that stuff on YouTube. Maybe we might be working with a few partners on some stuff like that. Um, Maybe. Just for habitat improvements and whatnot. Depends on if we can say the right thing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> takes takes a few takes or whatever. But yeah. putting some trees out and uh, doing some stuff with some switchgrass. Like, cause I'm, it's a property I bought, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I've got 
hopefully the rest of my life to do um, improvements on the place. So I'm trying not to bite off too much too fast and just think about prioritizing things. And I want to get covered near the road, and you can't ever plant trees too early because they take a long time to grow. So those are the two things I'm addressing right away. Um, I'm going to send off some soil samples for um, food plots pretty soon. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be going crazy with food plots. Technically, if I really want to make this place like a good deer hunting spot, I would just plant the whole thing in food plot because it's got cover all around. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't want to do that. I want to make it like a like a very um, – Nature like Conservancy. Out, yeah, I want to do like an outdoor <laughs> classroom kind of thing with it. I think it'll be kind of neat, you know, like for a lot of people to come out and enjoy with me. And if I if I don't, here's something um, I want to emphasize on this property, and I've had kind of come full circle on it, and uh, our buddies Matt and Adam at Landing Legacy kind of feel the same way too on some things. Um, if you buy a property, but just, just treat it like a sanctuary area, and the only way you get to have fun on it is like five days in November – is it really worth it? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, uh, in the right part of the country, maybe so. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're talking southern Iowa and you can buy 80 acres and get a landowner tag and do that thing, then yeah, that would be sweet. Mm-hmm. But this is going to be out in my back door. Do I really want to make any of it like a true sanctuary? Or right. should I? Am I do I really want to just get out there and enjoy the property and maybe improve habitat and have a chance at killing a couple deer a year? I mean, to be honest with you, dude, the does... Those does in, in your area live amongst people. Yeah. So they're not going to be too scared of y'all, no. right? Um, and so if you're talking about five days in November, mm-hmm. it ain't going to matter anyway. Yeah, those bucks the don't care. are going to be coming from who knows where, yeah, you just know? just make sure you got plenty of food on your place for the does. That's right. Pretty much set. Yeah, right? I think you're right, man. So, and here's the other thing, dude. Probably not going to kill a booner around here anyways. No, so probably not. So why hold out and make it a big serious thing, mm-hmm. you know? And, I mean, what? how fair would that be to my wife if, like, we buy this together and then I have a restrict, put all these restrictions on it for how we use it, yeah. you know? Rather Don't just, go walking down by the pond in the mornings when you're trying to have your quiet time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have all these different rules. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Now, yeah. don't get me wrong. We're not going to put a racetrack through the middle of it or anything. <laughs> yeah. The other day, my dad's like, you should cut some big trails through here. So people walk around like, ah, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. we'll probably uh, do a little bit of that. The more, like, thick, nasty you have, the less people are going to want to walk through it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's like, you can go walk through there if you want, but you're yeah. going to have chiggers all over yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that poison ivy right there. It looks like somebody planted that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah so well that's but, cool man no it's fun it's been it's been good and i'm sure we'll do more of that later on as uh as the season progresses yeah, because yeah. it'll be a long process for but, sure you gonna uh, do any burning you can't burn right now right now it's raining cats and dogs that's i don't right. know i plan on doing some burning yeah. but uh because that the native warm season grass is supposed to really do well with with fire on the landscape so yeah I'm gonna promote some of that well there are other things that are on fire. On fire. <laughs> so uh, yeah, the video, the video yeah. on fire. So we talked about it earlier in the beginning of the podcast. Uh, just to make sure you know, there is a contest that we were running in association with this video that you can win an Onyx Premium membership. How about that for the year? I didn't even know that. I know it. How do you win? Um, the best way to win. There are two ways. There's one way to win, but there are two things you can do. Okay. And and if you can do one and be in the running, but if you do the other, we may show you some favoritism. Um, so the first thing you do is you comment on the YouTube video on fire and tell us. You have to watch it and then comment and say like what your favorite part was or just 
something you liked about it or something mm-hmm. positive, right? We like positive, we like positive stuff because there's not enough of that in the world right now. Um, so comment on the YouTube video. It's on fire. Uh, the thumbnail is a Bible, a shotgun shell, and a match. So if you see that on our YouTube channel, that's the one. It's called on fire. It's comment. a good thumbnail because I had to like really look at it to see what that match was. Yeah, I wish I I wish I had it a little more zoomed in probably, but. Uh, but like if you weren't on your mobile, you could you could probably see it a little no, better. No, I mean I think it's a good idea. Um, but anyway, that so you comment on it. Uh, the way that we might show you favoritism is if you share it from our Facebook page. You share the link, uh, you know, that we've posted. So that, we're talking like weighted bonus points here. It's like weighted bonus points. Okay. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. So yeah, you have a you have a better chance of winning, but it's not guaranteed if you share the post from our Facebook as well as commenting on the YouTube. So it has to be like, like that's a double whammy thing. So you can't Ooh. just share it. It has. It's it, ultimately it's going to come from a comment on the YouTube. But if you share it, you might be like, you might get like two chances in the hat. Cool. So anyway, that's uh yeah that's how how you can win. And uh, honestly, like you know. I hope you guys really like the story. It's yeah. uh, it's a pretty – it was an interesting story. Like I said, it came organically. Uh, I showed up to film a uh, duck hunt with a buddy, and he had three friends with him who are now kind of three friends of mine. And and um, there was a really interesting story um, there uh, in one of his friends that uh, had happened uh, – an event that had happened that was pretty traumatic over Thanksgiving. And uh, luckily Jonathan was – was willing to share that story and did a great job sharing it. And so uh, there's a lot of killer duck footage, but there's also a really uh, intriguing story there. Yeah, so. it's great, man. I, I wasn't very much involved or involved at all with the production of this thing. You know, it's kind of the thing that you did. And uh, I watched it this morning for the first time, and it was good. It was real good. Yeah. I was pumped. I, I, in KC, like, he has some qualms with duck hunting a little bit. <laughs> and so uh, so – like if he says it's good, it's it's for real. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, um, he was he was. You were talking about how it was like you're glad that it wasn't just like slamming ducks the whole time. Yeah, you know, there was more to it. So I I thought the same thing. I was like, man, you know, I like showing up and seeing them smoke ducks and and you know, they you know either let me shoot them or or send some home with me sometimes or whatever. But um, but it was good to have like another part of that story there than just mm-hmm. you know. Because duck hunters can be a little bit um, maybe crude sometimes about the whole thing, and uh, maybe touch vain. And and um, I know ducks have a bad, or they're one of those elitist. species. Or, I mean, <laughs> would you like me to go they, on? No, they with could. They could be. <laughs> uh, those are different than the types of duck hunters I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, these are more redneck kind of guys. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, there are different. Uh, some pretty pretty bad. Uh, uh, subtitles there of, of a duck hunter um, sometimes and I'm a duck hunter I love I grew up in high school that was all I did uh, was duck hunt man I loved it so much uh, and I still do but uh, it was good it's good to see these guys like giving duck hunting a different face you know what I mean mm-hmm. which is kind of what we're trying to do with hunting you know yeah. uh, here in Texas so uh, it makes sense and uh, good friends good times good video so go watch it give us a comment and uh, anything else, man, that we need to leave them with? That's it. I just can't wait for warmer weather. Y'all wish us good luck on our uh, shed hunting trip that's coming up next week. And follow along on social media for all those cool things. Yep. Uh, be sure to follow us at the, at the Element Podcast on any of your favorite social media platforms. And then also, 
If you like what we're doing, be sure and go give us a review on iTunes because it helps us out a ton. We really appreciate those. So thanks yeah. for that, guys. Thank you. Uh, I guess I'm through with my stuff, too. So <laughs> <laughs> God bless you guys. And remember, this is your element. Living it. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit MarketHouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY.